So uh, this is if everything goes well, you know, if the seas if the seas part and the heavens collapse, uh, this will be our hundredth episode, hundredth numbered episode. So yeah, big yeah. congratulations are all around to all of us. We didn't think we'd get past ten, and we started. Yeah, so we've been doing the show what like four years, five years. Yeah, and you might be able to look through the SoundCloud user, and I can scroll through the website. But it's been quite a while, at least four. Let's see, we did, we did, we did two actual Gen Cons. Yeah, I was going to say we. Three now. I'm trying to count Gen. So that's Gen five Con. years. Two Gen Cons, and there were two pandemic years. So I didn't realize this would be a pandemic podcast, but yeah. here we are. Yeah, so four or five years, and uh, I think we, you know, we've uh, talked a lot about Delta Green. We talked a lot about everything, but we talked a lot about Delta Green. And Delta Green feels a little played out for a lot of us. I still play it. We'll talk, we'll talk about that later. But I know some of us have kind of moved on a little bit and are running other things, playing other things. And in, the, in that spirit, I think we want to just expand the scope, so to speak, of the podcast and talk about other things. Um, point of information, May 22nd, 2018 was the day the first episode aired. All right, so so okay, solid, okay. solid four. So we have, we have completed four years. We are on year five. That's almost as long as the original Star Trek ran for. We have done more episodes than the original Star That's Trek. That's true. We've done more episodes. Yeah. But are they? Are they? Wait, bad? no. Star Trek. Star Trek ran for three years. It was supposed to go for five, but it got canceled after three. I feel like we have we have much more interesting, deeper lore than the original Star Trek. You know. Well, I mean, some of those original Star Trek episodes, man, are pretty fucking great. I'm just waiting for the Green Box, the Next Generation, to get, get the, yeah get, get the, started. Green, the Greener Box. I do want to keep the name Green Box just because I like it as a name. I do uh, too. Yeah, and it's pretty unique. And then I can, you know, uh, those Gen Con badge stickers i got still still work yeah well as, lo- as long as we don't start calling it the green box podcast 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 the green podcast i'm box. thinking the delta green box podcast the yes <laughs> the delta green podcast green box <laughs> anyway anyway um all of this is a roundabout kind of way of saying um this is not going to be the last episode of the green box but this is going to be a significant format change yeah, a lot of folks refer to the refer to the type of podcast we're kind of going towards as like a two guys talking podcast. Although there's there's four to five of us. Yeah, there's there's between three to five of us. We're we're a, we're a standard size adventuring party. And so we're just going to talk about whatever we've been up to and working on and playing and enjoying. And, and let's face it, we we fucking do that. We've done that already. It's not like we've held ourselves yeah. to a a strict standard of only discussing Delta Green, but. I think you may see less Delta Green content as we talk about whatever else we're uh, fancying. Right, right. And we're going to relax the schedule a little bit, too. Instead of doing regular bi-weekly episodes, we're just going to do one, you know, whenever we have stuff to talk about. It could be, could be, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. could be a couple of months. I'd be surprised if we went a couple of months without, uh, without talking about I it. I would be yeah, surprised. But, uh, yeah, the main thing is it's not going to be a regular schedule anymore. We're still going to announce them on, on Twitter and on our other things. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, if you're one of the people who only listens to us when you see me post on the Delta Green Street team, I will probably only cross post there if we happen to talk about Delta Green stuff. So you should follow our actual page or actual Twitter or actual. I think you can Sm- follow our Smoke Signals without paying. Smoke Signal, yeah. Yeah. So. If you need me, meet me at December seventeenth, twenty twenty-five. At uh, I will I will mail you a package with some grade coordinates, and you can meet me there. And that's how I will give you a USB flash drive containing uh the entire catalog of our library because i am not on the internet anymore can we make a joke about about jake getting lost on a land nav range trying to give someone coordinates or has that been done before it hasn't been done before but it's a good joke (laughs) but it could be 
one idea that we've had to do with future episodes of the Green Box is to have a mailbag. So we have an email address. That email address is 9mmretirement at gmail.com. That's retirement at gmail.com. Um, we have talked pretty extensively about Delta Green and Delta Green adjacent topics, but if we've missed something or if you feel like there's something that you want to hear us yak about, send an email to that address. Include a mailbag in the subject line so that the filter catches it and ask us your question. Uh, if you send a recording, like an audio recording of a question, that's probably going to be more likely to get used than a text email because that means that I can just stick it into the recording and not have to read. So, uh, so, so, so speaking of, I mean, what are, uh, I'm curious, you know, uh, if not obsessively playing running and writing field Delta green, like we all used to, what are, what are we all, what are we all doing? Uh, I'm happy to start. Uh, I'm in four, I'm in roughly four games a week, although one is biweekly and most times one game cancels. So it ends up being more like two or three games a week, but in a perfect week, I'm playing in, playing in Delta green with, with Shane Ivy and a few, few friends. Um, and that's, that's been very, various, uh, sorts of things. And, and, and it's been Delta green for a while. We did some godlike. We did some. So you mean, you mean Jodlike? Yes, we did what used to be called gunslinger, but is now called brimstone. <laughs> Um, Slinger. <laughs> Grimstone, <laughs> uh, which is Shane Ivey's, well, you know, Delta Green-esque uh, Wild West type system, um, Pioneer system. Um, so that's so that's fun. Uh, I have a regular Blades in the Dark game, which is also a podcast as members of KSL because they started as a Delta Green podcast and have also moved on to other things. Um, and that uh, we've also played some Star Wars there and a few other things. In theory, I'm starting a game of uh, Forbidden Lands, which hasn't we, we made we did session zero, but haven't had session one yet. So I'm hoping that actually gets off the ground because that seems like a fun system. Um, and then I'm gonna right now we're gonna my Friday night game used to be D and D, now it's Rogue Trader, which we're all kind of struggling through. Because Rogue Trader is fun, but the system really has some flaws that are immediately available. Did I set you up with the second edition hack for Rogue Trader? I think you like meta linked me to it, yeah. But we have some people who are barely struggling with this one, so we're, we're going to see what happens there. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and okay. Our, our GM is having some health issues, so on the off days there, I may run, like, aliens and stuff. So I've got, a, ironically, a pretty full schedule, which feels good sometimes, but also feels a little overwhelming. But I just, I just like to play games. I'm in, I think, let's see, I'm in three regular games, which rotate on weekends. So some weekends I do one, some weekends I do two. Uh, my, I've got, my, my, of course, my, my IRL table where we do whatever the hell we want, depending on who's around. Um, I have just started, as of this Sunday, June 12th, 2022, I have just started a alternating weekend campaign of Way of the Wicked, which is one of the greatest Pathfinder modules oh, ever written. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's really, really good. I'm running that with uh, some folks over at the Black Pants Legion, uh, including Mr. Tex, who we've had on, and a friend of the show, Quintus. That's a lot of fun. Um, You're jamming that. That's gonna be great. I'm jamming that. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am. I am the, the the master of the dungeon for that one. That that's that's pretty cool. There's some pretty ridiculous uh, stuff in there. This this one dude, uh, Mr. Tom Tombadil. He's um he's playing a cobalt sorcerer who thinks he's a dragon. Aren't kobolds just little dragons anyway? Like is that that that's right. I mean that's that's yeah. that's his argument. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, that's his argument. He's 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 a little his his crime was arson. Are you using uh what are you using for virtual tabletop? Uh, using Foundry, using my Foundry server, and I'm making most of the maps myself by tracing over the maps that are in the book onto Dungeon Draft, which is a great tool. 
and I'm stealing a lot of music from games like Tyranny and Diablo. I'm curious. I'm, I'm an using Foundry, and the only the only time I go back to Roll Twenty is when there just isn't a module in Foundry. Like no one set it up yet, um, and I like need something. But Roll Twenty can eat my entire ass. Uh, official statement of this member of the podcast. Um, you know what? I will stand yeah, behind right. you on I mean, that. Well, they just they just suck, and they've never innovated, and they need to go away. Um, they were great when they were. The, the best thing they have going for them is is uh, is first in best dressed, and it's not even best dressed yeah, anymore. Exactly. So, but I've never. So I have. I just run Foundry locally. But you said you you have spun up on what is it Forge or something? Spun up on a server? Yeah. No, I'm not using Forge. I'm using my own uh, Amazon hosting thing. Uh, there's a guide that I found that tells you how to set up on on Amazon Cloud Services, and also also my friend my friend uh, uh, Vigorator is a is a, a known modder for foundry and he's also irl a web developer so he kind of helped me set that up nice and you have you found that had or what benefits have you found having it running on its own as opposed to locally um it doesn't use up my system resources i can leave it running all day every day um i'm using the amazon free tier which if you do the math for the amazon free tier it's enough hours per month that you can run it 24 hours for 32 days <laughs> that's pretty good yeah so as long as you're only running a single uh a single cloud instance you can you can just run it twenty four seven, which is what I do. I keep it up. Yeah, I've 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 not yet done that. I've considered it because sometimes it's nice. It's nice that like so in the Forbidden Lands game that I'm hopefully starting to play soon, I can log in right now and like mess with my character and like adjust things. Whereas if when I'm running it something locally, no one they have to like tell me they need to log in. I can always put it up, but it's a pain in the ass. But I was curious if you'd found other other any kind of fringe benefits aside from just not having to run locally, which is a pretty Nice well, one of the fringe benefits is that I have most of the assets, so the music and the files and the images and stuff, uh, stored not on the server instance, which is I think is based out of the Western U.S., but in what's called an Amazon S3 bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that is, I don't want to get too technical on on this 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 show, but what that is is it means that uh, the art assets, the stuff that takes a long time to load, is stored and duplicated across a bunch of Amazon servers located throughout the globe, and it just pulls the assets from whichever one is closest to yeah, you physically. So that that, uh, that shortens load times dramatically and improves um, end-user performance. Whereas, as opposed to, and we used to do this with the Zeitgeist game, uh, also running the BPL, um, the guy who was running that is based in Australia, so uh, him and I had some pretty insane ping times until he moved to remote hosting. Yeah, that's solid. So shout-out to Foundry. I mean... But if you if you're if you want to get into Foundry and you are just like playing remotely with your friends who are located in relative close physical proximity to you, you don't need remote hosting. You can get away with hosting on your own machines, provided you don't mind the server the uh, the resource load for doing that. I mean, hell, I mean, it's better than having Chrome open in in Roll Twenty. Yeah, it's not like it's not like there's zero load there. Oh, that's cool. But uh, I think I talked about my Rogue Trader game that is running off and on infrequently with my IRL group, and the thing that I like having. That's on the same server, and what I like having with that is being able to keep it up so guys can go and check, like, the sector map in between sessions and plan for the future. And yeah, Rogue Trader, I mean, I, I never really played it till recently, so I'm coming at it pretty late in the Rogue Trader lifespan, I mean, for being honest. And it definitely has a lot of... I, I like that they were really trying to make it feel like the board game in terms of, like, keeping a lot of the stats and stuff. But also, yeah. like, man, there are so many modern... TTRPG conventions that they just don't have. Either they didn't exist. Well, at the that's time, that's why they... I suggested the second yeah. edition hack because that incorporates a lot of the innovations from Dark Heresy second edition and backports them into Rogue Trader. Yeah, for, for sure. So stuff like uh, stuff like aptitudes instead of having a hard career paths. Yeah. So there's. I mean, it's, it, I'm still having fun, and you know, nothing, nothing oh, yeah. wrong with an arcade system, but you can definitely see where the cracks 
like where the cracks. You definitely are. can. Yeah, it, it it does feel like a previous generation of tabletop RPGs. I enjoy that. I like the crunch, but you are a hundred percent correct that that is really off putting and kind of difficult for people who aren't used to it. Um, what about are you doing any other podcasting? Uh, I have a project. These underhand softball pitches. Thank you for the softball pitch. Yeah, I have a project I've been working on called Will Reads the Rule Book, which started as a joke on the Night of the Opera server and is now an actual show. Um, and when I say it's an actual show, I mean I have a short pilot episode up, and I've been it's been like what like three four months since that went up, and I've I've written and scrapped and rewritten the script for the first episode like four times now because I just hate it every time. But the idea for that is is that's going to be me doing kind of uh, verbal essays about game design and systems and stuff like that. So kind of what I do on this show, but except more just scripted. me. But more scripted, yeah. But uh I mean, I, like I said I still haven't finalized the first episode yet. So that's that's coming whenever I whenever I get around to it. Fucking digs of the BPL bugs me every time there's a there's a stream. He bugs me. He's like, "Hey, well, still waiting for that podcast." I'm like, "Fuck off, digs." Well, I mean, it's, you know, you're the plumber with leaky pipes, you know. You, it's exactly you, you it. Feel yeah, like yeah, you're able exactly to Dane, it. you're Dane. Oh god, Dane, the wrong word. You're able to just dispense, you know, role play writing wisdom, but you can't write your own <laughs> your own thing. It's not good enough, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's 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 my show, so I can slack off as long as I want. A friend of mine down in Calgary is running a summer uh, Warhammer Crusade. Uh, there's gonna be like there's like four rounds. There's one round every week, and they're gonna culminate in a giant final battle for like for the for the uh, the fortress of Calgar E. Oh See, man, it's, it's funny. It's, oh, uh, it's a man. pun. Um, so he's doing that, and him and I were talking, and we we thought, you know, hey, wait, we, wait, 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 don't you mean the fortress of Calgar? Eh, I don't get it. So we're talking, um, and we, we thought, because he knows that I do a lot of Battlefleet Gothic stuff, and we thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool to have a Battlefleet Gothic crusade that was running at the same time and have the two layers kind of interact with each other? So we did, and I rewrote a lot of the Battlefleet, the BFG campaign rules to kind of more closely follow the way crusades are run in the tabletop, uh, because there have been you know some innovations in the way people do living campaigns that work a lot better than the old-ass BFG rules. But anyway, um, so we came up with this thing where I'm running a four-part BFG campaign in simultaneously to him running his four-part tabletop Warhammer campaign. And um, they've got this whole thing for scoring victory points and like having agendas and stuff. The BFG one is a lot simpler. Um, instead of like two to three points per game, it's it's you pick an alliance, you can give them one extra point. And there's also little subplots for things like uh, one of the subplots might be instead of taking a shooting action, you can have a ship hang out in orbit and bombard surface targets. And then one of your allies in the ground game at the start of his battle can start with orbital bombardment. <laughs> Stuff like that. That's that's kind of fun. That's a lot of fun. We're having fun with that. Um, I think that's he's about to start the fourth or is it the third round this weekend. And then there's going to be a massive final battle, and then depending on who wins that, there's going to be one last, one last space battle, which is either going to be uh, last ditch defense of the planet with um, the massive orbital gun against an exterminatus, or a final climactic space battle between the alien fleets and the imperial defenders. But yeah, it is pretty neat. We're having we're having we're having some fun with it. Um, there have been some great moments in the space battle, like. Uh, um, there was a pretty hilarious thing where the Tyranid guy attacked like a, a, a space station 
and the space station won the first boarding round and then drew it into a second round of boarding combat and then self-destructed to kill the hive ship and it was amazing and there's there's like a there's a campaign newsletter and there's all kinds of wacky stuff happening in the ground campaign uh there's like we're sharing pictures back and forth we have this whole like emergent narrative that's developing it's 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 a lot of fun everybody's having a lot of fun with it and yeah so that's that's the thing that i'm doing i'm liking i'm I'm finding i'm 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 getting a lot back into back vfg um recently you say bfg Uh, and i know you mean battle league gothic but in my head i just hear like you keep thinking big fucking guy no i just hear bfg division by mick gordon just like hammering through my head right now ironically that's that's a good soundtrack to play bfg too as a matter of fact, a I might be doing some actual physical games of BFG in the near future because a, uh, a friend of mine, um, guy who lives in Poland, who I got into BFG uh, and owns a 3D printer, he was he was very very kind and has shipped me an Eldar Corsair fleet that he printed himself. Nice. That's cool. So that's going to be arriving in the next few weeks. Um, my my friend who owns a house is going to let me use his garage to paint them in. Uh, so yeah, I might don't you mean some... he sent you proxies for the miniatures you currently already own legally? Uh, no, I don't because BFG is a dead game and thus not does not uh, is not subject to Games Workshop's IP policy. So fuck you, Games Workshop. <laughs> I have been I very think... strongly considering buying a resin printer and and just printing a forty. Well, here, here's the thing: you can do it. You just can't bring it to a sanctioned tournament. But why would you go to a sanctioned tournament anyway? Because you'd be playing against people who Plus go you'd to have sanctioned to go tournaments. To, like yeah, exactly. Games Workshop store, which why would you do that when you yeah. just three read the minutes? So like I, it's I went it's, there. It's the, it's the same argument for why would you pay for a something awful membership? You'd only be talking to other people who pay for something awful memberships. Wow, we don't need to make. <laughs> <that argument. laughs> you guys might have remembered, like last summer, I I got into 40k very briefly, and I you know very excitedly I went and bought like some Tau stuff, and I painted them, and I brought them in. And I went to the store, and all I had was, I think I had, like, it's ninth edition last year, and I think I had the 8th edition rulebook or whatever. And, like, I, you know, I had watched some videos, and I thought I knew how to play or whatever, and I went there, and there was just this fat, like, son of a bitch who was there, and just, like, being rude, like, like someone was trying to teach me the game, but he was just being rude to me the entire time, and I was like, well, that, that solves this. I'm just simply never going to come back to this store I wasn't again. even talking about that. I just think that Games Workshop is the Wizards of the Coast of Miniatures. I agree. Because I've, yeah, like, I've, I, I've I, since learned I understand that they my way, actually, so. of all the game stores, they are the ones who really try the hardest to like control Grognard behavior. And that is, I think, one of the reasons why, besides the fact that it drives money to products that they don't sell anymore, why they've banned like most of the specialist games from their stores and just focus on the, the core thing. So they, they are like one of the places where you're less likely to get that, but also... Um, also, fuck Games Workshop. Like, thanks for thanks for all you did for the hobby, but uh, go fuck yourselves. Also, anybody who listens to both our podcast and the BPL podcast, Max did just say fuck Games Workshop, so that does count toward bingo. Nice. Uh, what about other folks? What, do you, what, was that, what are other folks doing with their lives? Don't you have a blog, Max? Yes. What's, what's that all about? Uh, it's about recording things that I write and that ranges from play reports of games that I'm playing to content that I'm writing for games. It used to be for... I can't remember what the purpose was when I originally created it, but the most recent thing that I put on there is some reports after running Dune 2D20 for a few sessions, which was pretty fun. I think the nicest thing I can say about that game is that if you are... if you want to run a Dune RPG... 
it is better to use the Dune 2D20 than to make your own system or to use some other system. That is about the nicest thing I could say about it. Anything nicer has to be counterbalanced with the stuff that's wrong with it. I think you originally used your blog for Esoteric Enterprises stuff, right? Yeah, that was like a year or two ago, but I did very much do that at the time. And as far as I know, it's the by session count is, is the most extensive play report of a game of that system. There are other people who I think have run longer ones, but they didn't write every single one. They just they just wrote a uh, a summary. I am half interested in releasing the custom areas and the custom mechanics as its own book because the original book is CC share and share alike. So I could just do that if I wanted to. It would require me to do layout and that's look at it this way. If you write 10 pages of content and you do layout on one page, you have spent one page making a book. And you lay it out pretty pretty like simply too if you just wanted to Are you vol- are you volunteering motherfucker? Because no, no, I'm saying <laughs> then you. they come over here and I'll, 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 dude, I'll pay you a competitive rate with quotes around competitive. Uh, I, yeah, I just never, I mean, I just don't do InDesign, but you probably find some cheap guy on Fiverr to do it. Other, yeah, I'm, just, I'm doing other stuff, but not a whole lot right now. Um, I am, am in one game right now of Unknown Armies because I'm working with Tormson and uh, his crew. Uh, is that Special Orders? Yeah, special on the Special Orders books. That is a series of, of splats for eventually be a series of splats. Right now, it's we're just working on the um, bringing the first one to fruition for Unknown Armies Third Ed, an update of Break Today, which was the most popular, and to I guess to a lesser extent to Go, which is the most popular splat book for Second Edition. Most popular, as in it's the only one that I've ever heard people who are not Unknown Armies fans mention or care about. So that is going great. We're in a playtest. We're doing another playtest game for that. We're playtesting the uh, the court, which is sort of the designated villain faction, but not really. Beyond that, there's a couple of the things that I'm trying to get running, but we'll we'll just see how those go. I am working with Top Hat to get together a version of Begone Foe that is a complete game instead of having to lean on other people's content to fill out things like spell list and monster manual. So that is something that will eventually be finished and might motivate me to get back to work on some of the dungeons slash hex adventures that I have been putting off working on. Beyond that, uh, not a whole lot to discuss. Um, There are other things I can think of doing on this show that would interest me, but they are pending getting uh, certain guests, which I have not reached out to yet, and other things of that nature. You mentioned uh, hex crawl stuff, and that's actually what made me want to, that's actually what got me to join that fourth game, which is the Forbidden Lands games. It seems like the Forbidden Lands system is very much about the adventure, is the, like, exploring and hex crawling. So I'm hoping that, hoping that turns out to be fun and interesting, because I haven't done a good, you know, crawl, exploration type game in a long time. I do love being a hex crawl. Yeah, it just made, me, just made me think of it. Uh, what about, uh, what are the rest of you working on? Or doing or enjoying or whatever. What's what's Jake what's Jake doing when he's not being absolutely like destroyed by his work? Um I am not really in any games right now. I run an on again, off again game for my best friend and his wife. Uh we're playing Starforged. And um 
We also I've been playing a lot of Wingspan just because it's it's pretty fun. It's just a board. What game. is that? Uh, it is a board game about birds and bird conservation. Huh. It's actually it's a really solid. It's a it's one of those great kind of gateway board games. It's like you can't go up to like a new person who's like who's only ever played like Monopoly and drop like runes of Golgotha, this huge box with like crazy. <laughs> you can't do that, but you can be like, here's a game about birds. Yeah, it's like um, playing bird cards, laying eggs, collecting food, and drawing cards from the deck. Those are like the four actions, and you you can only do one at a time. And over the course of the game, the game goes by faster because you get less actions per turn. So usually it takes about 45 minutes to play a game, and it's pretty fun. But uh, Are you playing that all in person, or is there a virtual version? or what? How are you, how are you enjoying this? Um, my wife got me the physical version for my birthday a couple months ago, and uh, that's the one we're playing with friends IRL, but I'm also just kind of playing it on Steam and my cell phone as well, the digital. Um, when I'm at work, um, if there is space in between Insanity, I, uh, I also been solo journaling my own little Starforge games, so... It's pretty fun. Um, nice system. Are you publishing those anywhere? Because that sounds like it'd be fun to read. Um, not the ones I'm working on right now. Because it's uh, I'm keeping like a physical journal, and so it'd be like a a lot of pain to type it all up and put it onto a blog. But um, you know, maybe maybe one day. I don't know. It's it's just kind of you know like, escapism. I would like to, to play Starforge. I would so I would like to run it for you because. Somebody, I don't. I'm not gonna point fingers, but somebody like bullied me into backing it, uh, super aggressively. Yeah. Look, uh, before I die, I will run Starforge for you. How's that? I <laughs> know basically nothing about Starforge, but the snippets I've heard from you, Jake, sound interesting. Okay, yeah, it's a, it's a really fun sort of alternate. It's it's a powered by the apocalypse like game, um, in that it you know uses like the trinary uh, results when you roll the dice, right? Um, there is, it would actually be pretty good for a hex crawl too. I'm, you know what? I, I lied. I am, I am running another game for somebody else too. Um, I took the Starforge mechanics and I'm running Tomb of Annihilation for Conscience. It's, uh, someone who's on the, uh, the Opera server. Um, so we're doing a hex crawl Tomb of Annihilation D&D 5e setting. Uh, it's an adventure for D&D 5e. But we're using the Starforge mechanics because it is pretty good for hex crawls. So I think it's, we're all talking about hex crawls here today. You know, I was briefly in a run of Tomb of Annihilation. Um, I think I think we got to like six character deaths before we even got to the tomb. Oh man, it's a good module. <laughs> it's a very good is module. That, is I always get the confused, or or I'm always right. Is that the module that takes place in like the jungle? Chult. Yeah, yeah, jungles of yeah, Chult. Yeah, that. that My seems rogue like really field fun. got snapped in half by a zombie tyrannosaurus yeah that was like the second character dead it wasn't even the first it's good i mean it, it's got everything you'd really want in a hex crawl lots of exploration lots of combat um some light like social encounters you know just enough to get you out into the wilds again but yeah that's that's what i'm at i'm basically only playing starforge right now because my brain can only let me focus on one thing at a time when i'm you know not at work well if you want to teach us you know? I will, you know. Let me know. I'm not being murdered by my schedule. Busy. Yeah, we got our like stupid. <laughs> um, sorry, I, I shouldn't call it stupid or not. So my kid fired. Uh, <laughs> uh, mini mini Olympics coming up for the city. And there's like the World Games. Um, it's gonna be stupid. It's gonna be 
really busy, really tiresome. So maybe after that insanity, um, I may find myself with more time. The problem is that the city keeps arranging for more events that require police officers to like work as security at. And there's not enough people that want to go stand outside in 95 degree weather for, you know, police officer pay. And uh, so they're forced to like draft people to work overtime. And because I'm in an administrative slot now, uh, our pool is really small and the list is really long. It's uh, it's funny in a in a in, in a Joker what is a parody of itself the uh, pretty much you know every couple of weeks somebody in, in our Monday night game which Jake you see a part of is like how's Jake doing and I'm like hey he's still busy so literally every time Jake is not at that game someone asks where is Jake oh man That's <laughs> <laughs> every time Jake's not on screen <laughs> yeah <laughs> like where is Jake because yeah. uh, yeah. we've been playing through God's Teeth and it's been a it's been a hell of a it's been a hell of a time a lot of hospitals. oh you mean uh, Jod's Teeth. <laughs> I'm playing Star For Forged? Star Forged. Star Forged. Star Forged. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so hopefully if your schedule comes now, you can come back to that game because we all miss you. Uh, you know, I would love to, man. I just am dying. That's all. That's uh for those listening, I'm sure we told the story, but uh Jake uh one of Jake's old characters in another game on that, that same that same night um was killed by a deer. Oh dear. Um, and not even yeah. not even a buck, like a doe. Yeah, just like wow. <laughs> gored to death by a doe. To be fair, it was it was zombified, but you know. So every time we fight, we've been fighting a lot of animals because God's teeth. So every time we do it, we're like, not like this. Not, <laughs> I don't want to get killed by a service dog. Like, <laughs> please, I don't want to go out like Jake. Not a chihuahua, please. <laughs> like seeing a dog. I don't, not like this. It's like the worst thing too, because in that module that we were in, like I picked like Billy Badass, you know, like the <laughs> like the, the toughest like special forces guy, and the dice just kept shitting on me repeatedly. Oh, sometimes, but you know what? It made a great story. You know, sometimes that's what it's yeah, all about. yeah, that is what it's all about. You know, Tom, what are you up to these days? Uh, I have a regular Heart the City Beneath game on Friday nights. Play in occasional one shots over on the Good Friends of Jackson Elias server. I was in a campaign of impossible landscapes that wrapped up a couple weeks ago. Uh, was it, so that was the new version of me, like the current edition. Yeah, the one that was just published. Yeah. How? What were your thoughts on that? I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, did Did you win? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, mean, I don't. That's very winnable. But like you know, like how did it go? Roughly, the, the only way to win is not to play. No, it's survive, solve, or save. So which ones? I, which I, ones did you? I guess I've off? been winning for years then. So so I think all the players died at least once over the course of the campaign. But then perfect. O- only one of us changed characters. Very nice. <laughs> oh, that's so good. If that's not a great like tagline for the you know for the for the box art. I don't know. I don't know what is. Yeah. So here's here's a question. I'm only asking this because I've had to type it out many times. We're all obviously doing stuff, but what is what's on your what's in, what's in the future or on, or on your plate or what's like, what do you want to do? If someone was like, you know, you, you have a whole day off, you're not being drafted for overtime, you have a group of players ready to go. What is a game that's been eluding you, or you know, a game or a activity that's been eluding you that you'd like to do? Uh, a project I've been trying to work on for the last year and a half now is my my BattleTech board game adaptation of Brigador. I would love to be able to sit down and hash out 
how that's going to work and finish out the city map and figure out, you know, which, which, which mechs and which pilots are available and actually like give like a test run of that. That's what, that's what I would love to do. And I just haven't had the time to really do that. I mean, I have, I've just been doing other things instead because there's only so many hours a day. Right. And that's, that is a thing that's always, always been on, on the back of my mind, but there's always something else that seems more important or I'm more interested in doing than that. Well, you're, you're talking about like the stars aligning for like just one day. Only one day, or like you're like, what game would you add to your schedule okay. if you could I, pop in a free? I want to do if if, if Jod snapped his fingers and invented an eighth day. What if what if Jod were one of us? Um, <laughs> no, I you know like a weekly thing. Like if I could, I would love to do one of these games that has the dedicated campaign framework that has like a defined ending to it. I'm talking about like like um. Uh, Red Markets or Band of Blades or, you know, one of those type of games that like you play through it and like everybody can can tell that the end is is near one way or another. You know, that's that's what I really want to, to partake in. Jake, did you ever play Band of Blades? No, that's the, that's the one I just mentioned that like I wanted to. You said Red Markets. Yeah, it's a Red Markets and Band of Blades, I think. Oh, OK. Let the audio record show. Let the record show. Yeah, yeah he yeah. did say both. Yeah, play that back. Yeah, no, that's that's the one I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I think that because um, I really liked Red Markets, I think it was fun. Uh, Band Band of Blades. I don't know that you would enjoy as much because it is essentially Blades in the Dark, but with all of the actual narrative and role playing elements effectively stripped out. No, it's it's more like a board game almost than a RPG. There's like it's like a board game with RPG elements in it, really. Um, I, I've heard someone tell me that it's like an XCOM campaign with friends. Yeah, but I don't know. I think that. Um, well, I, 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 we, we said that we were going to spend this episode talking about stuff we didn't like, so I'm going to leave off on XCOM. <laughs> I didn't know you never. I didn't know you didn't like XCOM. I don't like any game where it's like a really extreme snowball effect, where like you, you, you have one bad run and like you're, you're six months long campaign is over because I think that just encourages like really boring, overly cautious play saves coming. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, the funny thing is I, I like that about XCOM. So I agree entirely with your assessment, Max. I just, I, I enjoy that. Yeah. We just, this, this is the typical like will melon disagree. Will yes. disagreement is that we agree on all the facts, but we reverse the affect. Yes, exactly. Uh, oh, actually speaking of which Kevin, you recommended uh, Damon hunters to me. That game fucking slaps. I've been having fun with that. I, I, my only problem so far is, uh, at about so it takes it took me about six hours to get to the first like boss, so to speak, uh, and at like five hours I was like, all right, I'm kind of getting bored. Like it's very samey, so I feel like they should push that up so that and like tease you more. Like, hey, look, there's more than just the same two missions in a row over and over and over again. So I feel like they should that boss should happen at like hour four. Not hour six. That closely mirrors my experience with the game because I I got to the first big spoilerific moment and I was starting to think, yeah, okay, I'm getting the hang of this pox thing. You know, it's starting to feel a little played out. Oh god, there's four more of them. Um, but I, it's fun. It, it's uh, yeah, we're gonna say it's, it's it's a fun game. It uh, it 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 grabs the bits that I loved about um, Mechanicus, the other XCOM like 40k game, which is that it takes XCOM and takes out all the RNG bullshit. So everything, all all the rolls, all the damages, all the hits are all deterministic. Cover is damage reduction, not chance to miss. 
Uh, if you have a line of sight to a, to a guy, you can shoot him, you can hit him every time, you can do the same damage every time. Yeah, I do like that. So, and I've been able to pull off one of the mechanics for folks who haven't played it is if you if you do like a melee, like a flur, a special melee kill, like a flourish kill on a guy, all your other guys get an extra like round, an extra turn, yeah, down, an extra AP. And I've been able to set up like chain reactions, like move my guys, get them all in place, and have like all right, chain sword through one cultist, yeah. everybody gets another move. Chain sword through another, everybody's on the move. Like just like you feel just like a real badass. Them. Yeah, when oh, it's you, so yeah, when good. You can chain those together, yeah. Because let's face it, you're like. You're like the elite of the elite space marines, so you should it shouldn't feel like you should feel like a badass all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Grey Knights are fucking Gary Stews of 40k, but they're fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, I mean, I mean like, the plot oh, is meaninglessly in- incomprehensible and, and awful, but it's I'm fun. following the plot. I'm, I'm liking yeah. the characters. Uh, I, I like the even uh, even, even big titted, you know, random like tiny waist girl anime girl who shows up. I mean, she's like, she's ob- she's. The Inquisitor is obviously going to be the the face heel turn. I can see that coming a mile away. Yeah, but I'm enjoying it. It's fun, and and I like the uh, I like the, the 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 tech Magos too. She's pretty cool. So uh, looking forward to uh, who who else is Jake? Jake, did you get to finish uh, yours? Because I was going to recommend yeah. um, Warhammer Fantasy. The new one is like fixes a lot of the mechanical issues with the previous versions, and is also a game that's built around a campaign structure and advancement. So it has like a defined ending. Oh no, I meant like, I meant that it has oh. it has like the 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 system is it, it's it's like those other games you mentioned in, the, in that the system is essentially non-functional unless you take into account the progression mechanics. But you easily could run one as like you know you're gonna you're gonna ex- exterminate the you know orcs from this area, so that way like when when you're done you're done. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I just meant, you know, everybody, you can see the ending coming and those two games that I was talking about with, with the red markers, you got, you know, was it just one last job or whatever, Mr. Mr. Joel's and in Band of Blades, you're marching, either you're going to make it home or you're not, you know, so it's just a concept that I like and I want to, I want to explore, I want to play in that, you know. Tom, what would you do on day number eight? Uh, I'm not really sure. You've played, sorry, I was going to say, you said you played Heart, you've played, what's the other, Spire? You played yeah. Spire, right? Ransom. Uh, I ran a one shot of it. Oh, okay. All right. I was going to say I was going to do that, but then I realized that was, I think I think I'd only ever heard about it from you and Max. So. I uh, I had a friend mention that they in in their real life table every like every like quarter or every like half a year they all make sure they have the same day off and they play like for like twelve hours straight. And part of me is like, man, like I do miss that from high school and like college being able to just like. You know, going on Mountain Dew fueled D and D binge with like no end in sight, but I also just like don't know if I could even like handle like, that. like physically, like for your health and safety, like or 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 even just like you know, like imagine you know, imagine a Blaze game where in one day you do ten scores. I'd be like, oh, like, I, like I don't know, like I don't. But also, like I mean, if some, but if someone offered that to me, I'd be like, I'm in. <laughs> I will, I will try this, no matter how much it hurts. Yeah. Uh, and then for for my answer, uh, I've been I, I would have said Twilight 2000 because I bought it. I really I really like it. I want to play it. I have I have people who I could run it for, but it's one of it's one of those games where I maybe foolishly feel like I need to play it before I run it just to kind of get some basic understanding. And maybe I should just suck it up and not do that. I mean, isn't it the same but, like game system? Or the system is the same as like all of Free League's other stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and, so I mean, and again, so maybe I'm just being if, if you know how to play Blades in the Dark, you know how to play Free League. They're essentially the same, like D6 dice pool system, just about. Yeah, but after watching 
the first part of season four of Stranger Things. I also really want to play Kids on Bikes. It I, I missed that when it when it like first got released and it was like kind of booming. And it's kind of died down now, but I just really like the idea. Really, if if I could find a game, I would love to try. I'm it. curious. You know, they you seem to like the the free league system. You talk about a couple of games with it. Why wouldn't you run um, their two? You know, eighties uh, horror games. What is it? Um, Tales, Tales from the Tales from the Loop and Things from the Flood. Yeah, I have Tales from the Loop. I to me, and maybe I've been influenced by the the show because the Tales from the Loop TV show was really. I thought it was really interesting and was very odd. Uh, to me, that's more like like so, uh, so. To me, Kids on Bikes is like very Stranger Things esque. Eighties kids like run around your hometown solving what aren't really that like aren't like huge big deals but you're not using like any like advanced tech or anything okay you're just like solving crimes whereas like just from loop is like there's still that kind of 70s 80s aesthetic but there is like some robots more advanced tech somewhere and like robots and stuff so to me it's a little different gotcha. um and i'm sure you could like you know, do either in either and not have a big, not have a big deal. And if someone was like, I have a room, I tell some loop game. Do you want to join? I would say yes. Uh, but kids on bikes has just grabbed me because I just want to do that. Like, uh, that I just want to grab that feeling, you know? I got you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I have, I have, a, I have a friendly local game store. It's, it's like, it's like 20 minutes away, like without traffic or 20 to 25 with. So like sometimes it's like not, so I, it's, it's far enough that I don't feel like just popping down there. Um, but apparently they do a lot of D and D on Wednesdays. But like, I, even the people I've talked to on their like Facebook group, have been like, "Yeah, we've had a hard time getting anything else going." And I'm like, "People, I just want to play. Like every now and then, I just want to play a meat space game because it's a little, it's a little different. And like, there's so much out there. There's I have worlds to show you. <laughs> Please, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like, like, look, like, if you like D and D, that's fine. Like, why don't we try? Uh, you know, like I'm not gonna like dive them into like hardcore, like crazy beggar t- beggar talk or you know." Uh, type stuff, but like kids on bikes, like you like Stranger Things, right? Then shut down and shut up and like let's play this. Like, <laughs> so that's been I, I've been trying to get that off the ground, and maybe I just, what I might need to do is just go on some Wednesday nights, do some D and D, and like actually get some more meat space, like FaceTime with people. But I don't know. That also feels like work. It does feel like work, but it's the kind of thing that would quickly s- cease to become work once you got it going. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, and I I want my cake and I want to eat it too. Like, really, exactly. like what I, like what what I want to do is I want to post on their Facebook. Get five people to say I'm in. Pick a time and show up and run the game. And I realize that that is obviously it has not happened yet. So it's an unrealistic expectation. What I have to do is actually go there and hype some people up about it and like, for, you know, kind of force it a little bit. And I'm sure you know, like Field the Dream style. If I show up, I'm sure people who aren't on the Facebook will be like, "Oh, I really want to play that." Because the Facebook is it's not a, it's not like every single customer of the store follows their Facebook page, you know. So I'm just being a little, you know, persnickety. I think we got everybody's answer, unless I totally missed it. Did everybody? Do we get oh, yours, no. Max? Uh, let's see. I don't know. Yeah, what I, do you do? I can think of a lot of different things, but the one that I have, like if it was just planned out and ready to go, and I didn't have to write anything, I would love to do for if it was for a day long event. I would love to do Delta Green Mega Game, the one that we discussed like a year ago. If I didn't have to write like five different scenarios and set up all the logistics, and if it was just ready, that'd be really cool. I think that might have some legs for Gen Con 2023, but we'll we'll see. So I've been open on this show about how I've kind of, over the last five years, but especially over the last one or two, just kind of lost interest in Delta Green. I think that this is this is something that, that actually happened a couple of times, but every time previously there was something to refresh my interest. Like going to Gen Con, yeah, going like to Gen, Gen Con, Con in person was a huge boost to my enjoy, enjoying the game. 
and that hasn't happened for the last couple of years, so that might be one reason why I'm just kind of finished. Uh, beyond that, I think that Delta Green is a great game. It's fun and very well designed mechanically. A lot of fun scenarios out there. And the main thing is that it is a game that takes place with a pretty severe severe and rigid set of like setting epistemology. So in Delta Green, when you encounter the supernatural, the there are two possible outcomes. One is the destruction of you, the other is destruction of the supernatural. There's a third outcome, which is kicking the can down the road, but it'll eventually end with one of those two things. And there's a whole bunch of great stories that you can tell within those constraints, but eventually I just got tired of it. I wanted to do stuff that explored other possibilities, and Delta Green is a game that will fight you every step of the way if you do that. That is kind of baked into the assumptions of the game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I love <clears throat> I, I love and still do like Delta Green when, when I want to play Delta Green. But I've just found that there's so much, you know, there's so much else out there. Like, you know, if you'd asked me when we started this podcast, <clears throat> if you'd asked me, like, how I want to replicate Stranger Things, I probably would have tried doing it in Delta Green. But now there's at least two other options that are, like, solidly better for that, you know. And then all these other games that are piled up on my shelf or that I played, or that I have played, like, God, like, you know, like, uh, the one ring, like, like you know, I did an Aliens one shot for Halloween last year. I mean, Great, great stuff. So, I mean, I still love Delta Green, and when I want to get that Investigator Paranormal Fix, like, that's my go-to game. But I'm just, also, I want to do other stuff, too, you know? I I liked Delta Green. I just found it harder and harder to write and to make stuff for it, like, personally. I I think, for me, it was, like, a a psychological thing. Like, the last two years have just sucked donkey dick. It's been, like, terrible, you know? Well, dude, the pandemic, I mean, that's not, I don't want to understate that. One, we've missed Gen Cons. And I I agree with Max. I mean, like, and 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 I, and like, you could see, especially in Max, from the from like day one, hour one of Gen Con to like day two, hour one of Gen Con, when he just he was just like revitalized. He got like a Delta Green, like you know, in, infusion. Yeah. Like, so like that that blood. was that was one uh, of the first days in like several years that I had gotten up immediately excited to do something. There was no moment of like, oh God, what 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 is it today? What is it this time? And we haven't had that. And if we go in 2023, I don't know if I want to run three Delta Green games. I might try to run. I think I'm going to run one because it's just so much fun to run. But I may also try to get into a Kids on Bikes game or, or run a one. I mean, like, there's just so much else out there um, to do. But at the same time, I still, you know, I want to go and I want to see, you know, the folks that I, all my friends from Delta Green and the people who, you know, work on it and stuff. And it's a lot of fun. But so, but again, the pandemic has like, like, you know, so much of the, so much of that over again. So like the pandemic has really messed with stuff because I know uh, my friend, uh, me and uh, Jake's friend Jeremy, he started running um, a very pathologic like pandemic style Delta Green game right when COVID hit. And <laughs> and, but and his players were like, "This isn't at all fun. No, like we can't thanks. get into this at all." So like yeah, like, like do I really want to write about like the. I would have had I'd have much more fun writing about like the slow burn of psychological horror isolation when I wasn't experiencing it, you know. Like, so maybe in a few years I'm going to get revitalized. I'll go to a couple of Gen Cons and I'll get back into writing more DG and you know, and great. And if not, it's also great. I, there's there's tons of you know there's so many there's plenty of worlds to conquer. Do you know I I kind of had that with the division. I kind of stopped playing mm. it right about like mm. month three of the first wave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I stopped playing the division because I realized I hate games where I have to grind like that. 
That's that's just me though. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I always enjoyed the running around and parkour. Well, the exploration is fun. It just was like I'm I'm working this hard to get a gun that does like one more damage yeah. or whatever. That's just not for me personally. But um, I also I got I got the machine gun that has an infinite ammo clip, so I just kind of oh, kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So there are some cool parts. You know? I mean, it's not. It's garbage, but it's hilarious. <laughs> Another reason why I, I kind of fell off running a lot of Delta Green, um, I think Max hinted at it, like there's a very specific way that the, the, the setting restricts you, the setting limits you. Like you're supposed to tell Delta Green stories with, you know, this mood within these parameters or that sort of thing. And it's sometimes it's hard to find a group of players who understand that or that are willing to engage in that sort of thing so that's why I've, I've moved more to i call them like improv rpgs more you know something like star forge or something like iron sworn that just sort of encourages like input and like participation from everyone and deciding like what the game is going to be like and maybe yeah. maybe that exists maybe that does exist like in a delta green sort of setting it's just no one's come around and invented it yet you know yeah, I, I definitely find that I find the collaborative aspect of some of those other games to be to be very to be a little more exciting, especially especially nowadays. But like I said, if you wanted to do a game where you invest, you know, investigate an X file, like Delta Green is still the game to Oh, absolutely, in. yeah, uh, yeah. And if you and if you don't want to run that, then then don't, you know, like don't force it. Yeah, and I'm not here to like shit on the game. It's still one of my favorite RPGs, and it's still like yeah, we have 99 other episodes. Yeah, yeah, no, that. it's not that I <laughs> yeah. hate it. You know, I don't hate it at all. I just kind of need a break and if i found a group that wanted to run a kind of class tomorrow i would run that in a fucking second because it's such a it's one of my favorites you know, yeah if someone approached me and they so were like we want you to run impossible landscapes i'd be like oh man i gotta read this fucking book i still <laughs> need to get around to running impossible landscapes because i haven't yet yeah please not for do. any particular reason it's just this other stuff I've yeah, been doing. i would play in that yeah uh dg has always been to me has always been just another game on my shelf like i've never gotten too overly attached to it it just happened to be the one that i had a podcast about um, I don't imagine <laughs> yeah. that I'm gonna ever not have it on my shelf. Like I, I do frequently I am, reach I'm, for it. I'm burning my books. I'm tired <laughs> of these developers. Yeah, and he's he's free. Shane, he's free. Shane and Dennis, they're such you know jerks all the time. Jake, I'm just no, burn no. all my books. Yeah. No, Jake, don't don't touch Jake, the grass. They're gonna cut off our funding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the Arc Dream funding. Yeah, but no, oh, I, I, I do still the, frequently the, the sweet Kickstarter money. Yeah. I do still frequently yeah. reach for Delta Green to run like uh, dumb one shots uh, for like Halloween or other, oh, other yeah, things. Yeah, um, I do. I especially enjoy writing MFA content because it is so different from the the Delta Green archetype, while still hitting many of the same themes that I enjoy about the setting. I certainly intend to do another shotgun scenario uh, for this year's contest and in future years going forward because I enjoy that. I enjoy the restriction of the word limit. In fact, uh, Tex and I were kicking around the idea of taking Looking for Lovecraft and building that into a bigger scenario, because that'd be fun, because we, we enjoyed that. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's another game on my shelf. I reach for it when I wanna wanna run it. I enjoy things about it. And I, as I mentioned, I don't know, I don't know if I mentioned this while we were recording or not, but I have a feeling, given that Delta Green brought us all together, we will continue to talk about Delta Green, even if only as a comparison to the other things we talk about on the show. Well, yes. You should try coming to Gen Con 2023 because I found that that really yeah. got me back into <laughs> yes. the swing of things with the two years that I was able to make it. It literally felt like somebody hooked a like a, like a charging wire up to me and like refilled my drained role playing batteries. And I bet 
if there, I don't know if you have a, like a local con, but I bet, I bet to the same extent, if you went to like your local con, did the same thing, you'd have a not, not as great an experience, maybe because Gen Con just is such a big monster. But if you just, you know, show up, like it's, it's really revitalizing to have a sit down at a table, have five totally random people show up excited to like play a game with you. Like that is just a fun, you know. I had a hypothesis a about experience. this. I don't know if I've talked about it. My hypothesis about that was because. Uh, play, running games at a con is, is a is a huge selection filter. You are selecting for people who have gone out of their way and have spent money to travel to this location to play a game, and that level of investment means there's there's a sort of uh, there's there's a higher floor for 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 enthusiasm and engagement than say a Discord server anybody can hop into and just kind of flake stumble out of, into a game. You know? Yeah. Even my lowest engaged Gen Con player was more engaged than the average, you know, online player who, you know, has the time. Are they are they watching the video? Are they on their phone? You don't know. You know. I'm browsing Reddit right now. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, there was a local con here in Edmonton um, a while back that I sent them a message and I was like, "Hey, do you guys have any kind of like discount option for people who are running games at your convention?" And they never replied to me. Oh, can, can I shit on Rising Phoenix? Yes, kind of yes, oh, you okay. can. <laughs> so there's there's two local cons. One every two years is Necronomicon, which is real. They do a good job, and I ran games for them uh, a couple years ago. It was a lot of fun, um, uh, and that was fun. Hard cut. Put that aside. There's another game con that started up last year called Rising Phoenix Game Con, and I was like, oh, and it's much closer. Uh, and it, you know, it's news. Like, hey, look, like I'd love to run games. And basically, they were like, okay, you can run games, but like you still gotta pay. Like we don't comp badges. We have like no support or anything. And I was like, you guys, I was like, well, you're new, so I was like, hey, you guys like should comp badges. And they're like, no. I was like, but see, like, like if I come and run like three games, that's like 15 people who've gotten like game experience. They're like, oh, we know, we we won't do it. And then like. Then like then like all their posts after that are all like we're like we can't get anybody to run games like we can't like sure I can't. wonder why yeah god goddamn I wonder why you fucking morons this is the simple the world's simplest fucking thing it's like it's if you give one person a free entry and they entertain fifteen people that is a one to fifteen ratio that is 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 positive this is why so, like, conventions do that yeah yeah exactly I ex- and look I know it's their first year and I was like look maybe I expected maybe like maybe. Like, I probably would have done it if they'd been like, yeah, we'll give you a discount. I mean, I was expecting a free one because that's what's like, that's industry, industry standard. But if they'd been like, we're not really sure, how about a discount? I might have worked with them and been like, let's, let's see what happens. And then they, they, they run, last year they ran against PAX. So Oof. they were the same weekend as PAX. It's like, you fucking idiots. And it's just like all the pictures from the floor were just, it was just like really sad. It's like, guys, like, I don't want to see any convention fail, but like, guys, you've really set this up to be, a disaster. Well, I mean, it does. That does. That does mean one thing, uh, and it's that it is possible to have a convention that's more disorganized than Gen Con. Uh, yeah, at least our maps. I was about to say, up. which way is the map oriented? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that joke is never going to get old. No, never. Uh, I I went to oh man, uh, went to Orlando a couple of months ago. Went to Disney World, and all their maps were like that. And uh, it, I I saw like. It, it, There's an argument it was there, there because you're, you're, you, you, you're in like a supernatural fantasy world where nothing matters. Well, no, so no, no, no. It was, it was, I can we understand if there is a if there is a fixed point of reference. Yeah, it was the Epcot uh, that ball. That is not north. That, that makes sense. They, they put the that they put the Epcot sense. ball at the bottom of the map, and I think it was like east 
uh, in reality. It was like, yeah. yeah. So like, so okay, but if you're looking at the map, are you looking east? Like, like you, you would be able to see east where the the, yeah. the the point of reference was the huge like spaceship Earth Escot ball, and it was at the bottom of the map. So you would always be like, okay, well, if I'm facing the ball, then then I know which. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for just the uh, 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 and look, there's a lot of reasons to make north, not north up. Oh yeah. I mean, I did it for a Dudley Green map because it made sense. We needed to lay it out a certain way. But like at Gen Con, it just it doesn't. This is the hill that you're the, gonna die that's on, isn't it? Like, the place where you don't need to do that, you know. Like, I even offered. I was like, I will fix this. <laughs> just like, the, the the maps weren't even oriented with like the side of the building you were looking at when you're looking at the map. Yeah, it's all it's all bad. Like there's there's like several ways you could do this wrong, and they managed to do all of them. <laughs> yeah, it was really impressive. <laughs> and remember, Gen Con has multiple. It's not just the exhibit hall. There's a bunch of different stuff. So you want, you need to know where they are in reference to each other. And you're going to be outside on city streets where like north, where like directions matter. You know I mean, what I mean? Like, so I won't all be because I fucking things. melt in the heat. But yeah, yeah, right. Plus, you were afraid of getting mugged. Also, that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Any any other comments on? I mean, a hundred, hundred years. Of a hundred episodes of uh of the green box. It's been fun, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks I'm for glad I'm glad to have done this with you guys. Not to yeah, get too sappy. Here's to a hundred more, you know? I have enjoyed doing this this show. I, I look forward to doing less regular but uh no no diminished in quality uh installments. It's hard to get lower than it is hard to get lower than our level of quality. Yeah, you're right. That's it. I've, I've heard some professionally made podcasts that... Uh... I heard one where the, the entire right audio channel was missing. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> that was us, wasn't it? That's the joke. No. Oh, no, oh okay. Was, uh, <laughs> that was a certain someone who we recently had on as a guest, and I was very careful oh, not to make fun of him for that. Okay, gotcha. Because <laughs> he's he a knows. creator whose work I respect immensely. And and um, that's you know so that I don't end the show. Well, not end the show, but like to end the episode 100 on like a bunch of negativity. I <laughs> uh, will say thank you to everyone who has stuck around. I really, it really does make me happy when I hear people say that they got a lot of or even any value from this program. That they found our advice helpful. That they thought it was interesting, or that they wrote a scenario based on something that they heard. Uh, I think that that. I, I do feel almost guilty about especially the early episodes where uh, it was very strongly negative and critical of things that I think in retrospect I just needed to have more patience for. I think that it's funny how as my interest in the game has sort of waned, my attitude towards it has genuinely improved so that I'm no longer just doing tirades and rants and shit. I think that this show has actually taught me a lot about how to construct arguments and discussions in a way that is more interesting to listen to, because it's not just a stream of vitriol. At least that's that's my hope. Yeah, I, I mean, ten, 10 of 10 sign off. I have zero notes. Thanks, <laughs> well, everyone, well for listening, and yeah. we'll be around sometimes. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for hanging out, for listening to us for 100 episodes. Um, and I guess the only thing left to say is we'll be in touch.